Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what's up, GC Live fam? Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Wednesday episode of the show, uh, plenty to get to, um, really on, on all sides of this thing. Maybe we'll hit a little bit of recruiting. As y'all know, we sort of um, we talk until we run out of time, and then we'll push that stuff to tomorrow if we do. So uh, we're going to try to jam as much information into today's show as possible. Um, we got a very special guest that I'm going to tell you about here in a second. But first of all, Got to tell you about our good buddy, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, the presenting sponsor. Here on the show, you see the banner every single day right above our heads, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a new home or maybe you just want to look into refinancing, see what your options are, give Clint a shout, shoot him an email. His NMLS number is 71597. Email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Chris. Offensive coordinator spoke today. Defensive coordinator spoke today. Special teams coordinator spoke today. Zeb Nolan spoke today. And then uh, we believe we're going to be joined momentarily. This is actually a first for us, I guess. Uh, We've been doing this show for a year now. First for us, we'll be joined by South Carolina's opponent's head coach, Adam Cushing. Um, We believe at 215. Obviously, we are very – uh, cognizant and respectful of the fact that he's a head coach during a game week. So we'll see. Um, sometimes you got to put out fires if you're a coach, right? So no, no. hopefully we will be joined by Adam Cushing, uh, the Eastern Illinois head coach here momentarily. But, um, dude, plenty, plenty of stuff to get to um, all the way around this thing. Man, you know what stands out about uh, today as far as Pete? Pete Limbo, the special teams coordinator, stepping into the media room. There have been lots of unexpected media appearances, like people just show up. That's kind of cool. Shane Beamer did it uh, one day, or at least one day, maybe a couple times. One of them was to address uh, the Zeb Nolan situation on August 17th when he began practice. Shane Beamer showed up, which I think was smart, you know, to be able to kind of just explain what was going on, make sure that everybody understood what was going on. Uh, Jason Brown was originally he was scheduled to come, you know, to the to the media room yesterday on Tuesday. Then we learned that he had a class conflict, but he ended up showing up anyway, which was awesome. Covered on the show yesterday, Wes. I thought that was really cool of him. Um, showed showed a lot of character, I think, for him to walk into that room after he had lost out on the starting quarterback job and, and answer questions, answer very frankly. And today, coordinator day, but Pete Limbo steps in too, so. Another surprise, I think there was some, um, it, not maybe not, you know, no breaking news or anything uh, with the coordinator speaking, Satterfield, Clayton White, and, and Pete Limbo, but some, uh, some notes of interest, I think, that we can dive into and, and kind of digest today uh, now that they're finished up. But a lot to get to today in the show for sure. So, Chris, um, like you said, not, not breaking news, but just um, – the, the thing about having your coordinator speak is that the fans get a little bit deeper glimpse into your thought process, into maybe which guys are – maybe they're not starters, but which guys are pushing to, to possibly be on the field, which guys are, are firmly in the rotation, which guys um, are kind of scheduled to play, like who, which positions you, – you can tell some of this stuff from the depth chart, but so you get that – that depth of information, I, I think, when your coordinators speak. And you get different personalities, different approaches. And, you know, I, I think I, I said it, maybe it was last week or the week before, it's just been refreshing to to hear from the coordinators. And, and Limbo, as you said, making a surprise appearance there. 
I think that guy would talk special teams with um, with a guy waiting in line um, at Panera or something. Like I think this guy just loves, like just breathes. He eats, breathes, sleeps, dreams, loves special teams. So um, he, he came in. That was cool. I, I wonder, I guess, Chris, that may become a weekly thing as well or a uh, something where we hear from him a, a little bit as well because I know the other two coordinators are definitely going to be talking. And – the biggest thing to me, sort of, or one of the bigger things was just, A, the way Zeb Nolan handled uh, questioning and, and just reiterating, um, and, and I believe him, this was not coach speak or coach turned player speak or or, or whatever. Um, when he, he said this is not about him, this is about the, uh, the team. And uh, before we go into that, though, I know we're going to be joined here momentarily. I, I see you down there, Coach. Can you give us a thumbs up if you're ready to come on board? There he is. All right, we're going to bring him on right now. Coach, uh, this is uh, Eastern Illinois head coach Adam Cushing. I know you're a busy man. I know it's game week. Um, thank you for making your debut on our GC Live show. How you doing today, Coach? I'm doing great, Wes, Chris. I appreciate you guys having me today. Yeah, we and we appreciate you, man. So, so obviously, um, game. This is week two for you guys. It's week one for for South Carolina. Um, what did you learn about your, your team in week one? I'll give you a very broad question. I know you probably learn more about seeing them play an opponent than you ever do playing yourself in practice. So what did you guys learn week one, Coach? Well, you're dead on, Wes. You learned so much from the first football game. I, I, I learned that we did some really, really good things. I mean, you look at the statistics, um, and, and those don't mean a thing, honestly, because there's one thing that matters. It's the, the score the scoreboard at the end, right? Uh, but we did a lot of great things offensively. We came up with some big stops. When we need them defensively. We just didn't do the little things, right? We didn't take care of the football. We didn't take the ball away. That's what we've got to do better. Coach, thanks again. Uh, you know, I'll echo Wes. Thank you for taking time, especially during game week, to join us today. Great to hear from you. Great to meet you and, and see you. Here's where I wanted to go with my first question. Um, obviously, you guys are in a unique situation because you played the 2020 season in the spring of 2021. So you got six games in, if I'm not mistaken. How was that just from a calendar standpoint of, of playing? You know, you don't go through spring football. Spring football is your spring season. How did you have to adjust, whether it was under the rules or just how you go about preparing your team to play this year? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we um, we obviously were excited that we got to play in the spring to get the season in and then – um, who's kidding who, right? You play this game in order to play games. So I think the players are pretty darn excited about a shortened off season, to be honest, right? You tell me I don't have to go lift here for, for nine months. I just get to get right back at it. It's good stuff. Uh, but I think as coaches, we've got to, we, what we, our approach has been is to just be really smart, understand that they've been on the field. They've banged into other opponents quite a bit already. We've got to treat this thing as a marathon, not a sprint and make sure that we're conscious of that. And in our, you know, long-term planning, just how we plan out the contact and and um, and wear and tear on their bodies. Um, and then, you know, take that down to the granular level each week and say, hey, okay, we can we can pull back a little bit here. Again, these are guys we've seen them tackle a couple months ago. We've seen them hit each other, you know, a bunch of people a couple months ago. Coach, uh, I know that the coaches here spoke today to the media and Several of them mentioned uh, watching you guys film in the spring and then watching you guys this past week, and they just commented um, how improved they thought you looked. And, and they, they said you had a great offseason as well, just as far as maybe some of those weight room games in the summer. What um what have you most noticed from your team as far as those improvements you wanted to see from that spring season to uh, to this current season? No, I, I, I'm glad they said that. I, I felt the same thing, but it's always good to get a little validation from somebody else, right? I sometimes look at things with rose-colored glasses. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, that certainly our our both sides of our line have grown up, right? We you're talking about I, when I got here in 2019, our coaching staff arrived. We started five true freshmen in some games at offensive line, and that's a crazy thing to do in Division One college football, right? But we're starting to see some of that pay off for us right now. Same thing in the defensive line. At that point, it was probably half true freshmen that were in the rotation, and now those guys are juniors. And we've got a couple of transfers on both sides of the ball up front as well. And so you see a big difference um, in that area alone. And that, I mean, I'm, I'm an old line coach by trade, so – um, I believe that if you win the game up front and if you're better up front, that it just spreads everywhere on the field. 
Coach, I was, you know, obviously, like you said, you, you have the offensive line background, but you also coached a position at Northwestern that you guys have at Eastern Illinois. Wanted to get you to explain it to the fans. The Superback, what's the name origin? What's the Superback do within this offense? Tell us about its role. Yeah, everybody in the country has them. We just like to call them different, uh, if we're being honest, right? It's the tight end. It's a fullback. Um, you know, it, it's – Boy, it's probably going back 16 years ago or so now with with Coach Fitz at Northwestern. We were sitting around when I was coaching that position. And and honestly, we had some some good players, but they just didn't fit a mold, right? And some of them would line up on the ball and the very next play they'd be split out or they'd be in the backfield or they'd be, you know. And so we say he's kind of the Superman, right? They're kind of the jack of all trades. They can be all over the place. And so we've what it made us do in our own minds was stop recruiting to one specific mold and just go get football players and then we'll adjust the system to the football player rather than the other way around. And then, you know, the rest, as they say, is history, right? We had a pretty good run there of, uh, of some talented guys at, at Northwestern, and I think you're seeing some of that same stuff with, uh, with guys that we've seen here already with Jay Valley in the spring, Tyler Ringwood in this first game. And um, it's, again, it, it allows a lot of flexibility for the offense staff. Coach, your, your quarterback um, uh, is a kid that I think it, it looks like he can do some things with his legs, with his arm. Uh, I, I guess he's technically still a freshman, but he played in, in the spring. So, um, Otto, what, what can you tell us about him? Uh, how have you seen him come along? And, and what can South Carolina fans expect out of him on Saturday night? Yeah, uh, you, you said it right. He, he's got a He's got great athletic ability. Um, but he also is going to make that shot down the field. I mean, he's got a strong arm. His ball speed's pretty darn good. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm impressed with with the way that he plays the game, and and more importantly, he's he's just such a confident young man, right? He believes in himself. He believes he can make every throw. Sometimes I can get him into trouble, right? <laughs> but uh, and he never believes there's anybody that can tackle him. He's just he's a, he's a confident guy, and that's what you need at the quarterback position. Um, I think what the South Carolina fans are going to see a really exciting player that that he really is just you turn on college football and that's what you expect to see one of those guys that man he's just a pain in the butt to get down he's always extending the plays and man it looks like he got him dead to rights and there it is a first down all of a sudden whether it's with his legs with his arm coach as you prepare your team and not just watching film but your conversations with your team what you say to them on Saturday before you guys hit the field what is your approach as a coach to kind of mentally preparing them? Because you see, you know, reason I ask, you see different coaches if they're going up to play an SEC team. Some of them take the approach of we're going to say it's just like any other game. Some of them say we're going to be honest and say, hey, we're stepping up a level, you know, treat it like that. What is your approach when you prepare your team? Yeah, it's probably the cheater's answer, but a little bit of both, to be real honest with you, right, is let's not be let, let's not beat around the bush here. Let's not try and act like this is the same opponent. Right. And but really enjoy the, this opportunity. I mean, you, you play college football to get into these environments, playing Williams Bryce Stadium. I've heard nothing but incredible things about that environment there. And our guys are going to love that opportunity. They're going to they're I know right now they're thrilled for that opportunity to to come out and do that. And um, and so talking about that, but then at the same point, just saying that, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter. College football is one of those games, right, where the best team doesn't always win, the team that plays the best for 60 minutes. And so if we can then just handle our business, if we can just focus on football as the way that we do it, then it doesn't matter the stage. It doesn't matter if it's out here in my front yard on the grass or in Williams-Brice Stadium with 70,000 or 80,000, however many you have, um, um, screaming. It's, it's just it's a, playing our best. Coach, I'm always curious, the game one situation when you're going in, there's a new staff down here, so new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams. Are are you guys, like, pulling from tape from other places, pulling from uh, 10 years ago, uh, pulling people's high school film? You know, how, how does that process go as far as scouting when you don't have that week one film yet? Yeah, you, you said it. Just, I don't know, pull it from everywhere, and then in the end – um, what I what we've talked about and what our coordinators have done a great job of, Chris Bowers and John Kuzieski, is what do we have bankrupt at reps at? What do we do well, right? That no matter what, whether you know whether the defense comes out and even front cover one or even front quarters or zone or or odd front and there's pressure from every which way, 
we know we can make the adjustment because we know that play what like the back of our hand. It doesn't have to be about what are they playing, it's what are we doing, right? And defense is the same thing. Are they going to come out and put three backs, two tight ends in there and just go like this, or are they going to get in five wides and, and spread us out? It doesn't matter. If we make this call, we know how to adjust it. And you, when you enter, I, I believe this is kind of a second opener, right? We had our opener and we kind of had the same thing this past week. It's the same thing, right? I, this is a really, really well-coached football team. I know a lot of these guys' background. They're going to they're gonna be sound. They're going to know what they're doing. We just got to do the same thing and match them. Coach, uh, I, I'm sure that you've seen, because you guys have studied, I'm sure, all the quarterbacks, but Zeb Nolan getting the start for South Carolina. So two-parter, number one, give us your impressions of Zeb Nolan, obviously tape from North Dakota State, tape from Iowa State. What do you see from him on film? And secondly, do you have any coaches on your staff that still have any eligibility left if you get in a pinch? And, and- uh, so part one, um, he's got Zeb's got strong arm and a good understanding of of football, and you know not just not just watching his video, which we've done obviously, but it's also um, it's also. Uh, one of our staff members actually was on the staff at Iowa State when he when he got recruited there and has some, you know, so just understanding who he is as a young man, incredible young man, truly, you know, when and when you have that drive to go be a football coach, that's what you're, you know, that's going to be a huge advantage for you to, to understand the system. So he is going to make sure for darn sure that they're in the right play. That they're, you know, I mean, that he gets them, he manages the game unbelievably, and then he's got the the arm talent to do whatever he wants with the football. So we've got to be, we can't just say, hey, he's he just, you know, he just came off the street. Let's not forget he played football as recently as we did, right? This isn't like some guy that, you know, like you're pulling me off the street and trying, hey, get in there, right? This is a guy that's just played a bunch of football for a really good football team. So, um, I, the, the, obviously, you know, just poking a little bit of fun as soon as, as soon as Zeb got named, I, I went around the office and I said, all right, I need one snap out of you. And I need a couple snaps out of you. And, uh, I don't believe we have anybody with eligibility left. Our graduate assistants are not, uh, are not in that mode, but, uh, but um, I, I give Zeb all the credit in the world. I think every coach in, in the world has always said, man, I'd do anything for one more snap of football. That's all I got in me is one. But <laughs> Zeb gets to have a bunch more in him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was, a, that was actually a, Clayton White, the defense coordinator down here, was asked uh, how many more snaps he had. And he, he said one as well. He's like, I got, I got one. I guess that's the, that's the default answer with, with you guys. Uh, I got one to go. Um, well, yeah, Coach, so I, I am always curious uh, from we, – we see this team – we see South Carolina every day down here. So when, when you scout South Carolina, what, what have you noticed? Is there anything um, in y'all scout that's just stood out about what you expect to see in your opponent on Saturday? Well, I know they got they got some darn good running backs. I mean, that that's easy, right? Um, not only Kevin, the guy coming back, but I know that they've, they've – Obviously, you watch some of the high school video on Juju and, you know, the other guys they got in that backfield, man, they're 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 going to be able to run the football. Right. And then you go over to the O-line. They're going to be able to run the football. Right. They're pretty darn good. And then um, the 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 good part for for the Gamecocks and the the thing that the Panthers got to be aware of is that they're going to run the football. But then they got receivers that, you know, we can't just key in on the run because those guys can make plays, too. And I think um, that's what what we expect is that they're going to be looking to run the football and then making sure that we, they keep balance, right? And I think that that's where, where Zeb's going to be a huge uh, huge benefit for him. Defensively, obviously, up front, they're really good. That's where it's all going to start, obviously. Um, I think he's going to be wearing number one this year. We're, we're going to have to know where number one is, right? The, the problem is that guy over on the other edge is pretty darn good, too, right? And so finding a way to – it's always, uh, as again, as an old line coach, if they've just got the one pass rusher, you can, you can key in on them. And don't get me wrong. He's really good. We're going to know where he is. But the guy on the other edge, you can't just ignore him, right? And you can't just turn the protection all the time. You can't just key on the one guy. Um, and then I think they've got a, a, a bunch of experience in secondary, and I think you're going to see a lot of moving pieces there, um, a bunch of guys with game experience and a bunch of guys that can roll in and play, and that'll keep them fresh, right? And that'll allow them to play really fast and be involved in their run fits. Coach, last one I got for you because I don't want to keep you too long. Appreciate the time again. When Gamecock fans, you know, watch your team on Saturday night, regardless of what the outcome ends up being, win or loss for you guys, 
what, what would you like your takeaway to be as far as your team's identity when they watch this team offensively, defensively, on special teams? What's kind of the identity of this team? Yeah, that you're going to see a team play really, really hard. What we talk about is as hard as you can for as long as you can, right? Just it doesn't matter what play it is. If you're on special teams, if you're on offense, if you're on defense, if you give your maximum effort, whatever you have in the tank at that point, give it all, empty it on that play, and then go back and do it again. And that's how we train our guys on a daily basis. It's how we do everything. So we're going to give maximum effort, and then you're going to see us finish. We've been talking all offseason. We were, you know, you mentioned our six games in the spring, and three of those games we were ahead by two scores in the second half, and another one we're trailing a ranked opponent by one score with the football in the fourth quarter, right? And we just didn't finish those games. So our guys have been talking about that, building up that as hard as you can for as long as you can so that we got an opportunity to go finish the football game. Coach, and I, I know my, my final thing as well, um, these games – I feel like South Carolina and and you guys have – like this is a – these teams have not played that I remember is – are there? I know the coaching community kind of is small. Are, are there any connections um, with uh, you or your staff and any of the guys down here or the program, or, or is this two sort of um, completely separate <laughs> coaching trees? I guess. I mean, obviously, we do all of our research on that, and there's 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 carryover within the trees, and, and yet I don't know that there's direct carryover. Right? right? There's like somebody's branch intersected somebody else's branch over here, and so there's that connection to say like, hey, man, I remember that you knew him, and obviously their offense coordinator is a veteran of our conference here, right? It was it was a coach over at Tennessee Tech, and so um, there's there's a lot of ways to to connect those dots, but. I don't know Coach Beamer personally. I know some guys that do know him and that obviously have incredible respect for him. Um, and I've heard a lot of great things. I mean, we do our research, right? That's part of our job is do our research. And I've heard nothing but phenomenal things about what, what they're doing in that program right now and, and the direction that it's headed. So I, if nothing else, I'm excited to get a chance to talk to Coach Beamer and see that some of those things that he's done. And I'm always looking to steal a good idea. Any um, do, do y'all get to enjoy the Columbia food at any point, or is everything sort of in house? Like, is there? I mean, I think we got to get you on some pimento cheese while you're down here. I don't know if that's a thing up there. Boiled peanuts is a thing down here. Um, make, make sure they take care of you because there are some good food options down here, Coach. Uh, no, yeah, we we're we're just we're flying in, landing, uh, you know, late afternoon on Friday, and I didn't think we're getting some barbecue. For, for dinner on Saturday or on Friday. And and so we get a little, I, I do, I am partial to that. I don't want to just order like the yeah. you know, typical, all right, let's get a chicken breast. And, you know, I mean, let's say, hey, man, we're going there. Might as well see what they're, what they're all about. But uh, other than that, I don't think I'll, I'll have much occasion. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be sightseeing on Saturday before the game. So yeah, yeah <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Coach, uh, we, we can't thank you enough, man. Thanks so much for the time. Um, obviously uh, very impressive the, the way you run your program and uh, we wish you nothing but success. We appreciate it. Truly appreciate it guys. Have a great one and uh, go Panthers. Yes, sir. Thanks, coach. That, uh, coach Adam Cushing joining us here today on GC live. We appreciate coach. Um, great, great insight there, man. Um, I, I, I am already wondering what, uh, where he's, where they're getting barbecue from. So I, I, I think um, that that'll be interesting, but man, uh, Chris, we, we got some, some that that was not coach speak filled. No. I feel like that that was that was really cool. And our, our first game week head coach opponent experience um was really good. It it was, man. Great guy. Um I had never, you know, spoken with him. Um big shout out, obviously, to Coach Cushing for taking time on game week, you know, th- three days away from game from the actual game, taking time. And also to Rich Moser, who is the sports information director at EIU for their athletic department for their football program. Great to work with, easy to work with. He helped us arrange that. So thank you so much again to those guys. So hopefully everybody enjoyed that. And yeah, that that was awesome. It was um, really insightful. Like you said, there was no coach speak to be had. Um, He gave great answers and was, um, you know, showed some humor, showed his personality. So that, that was fun. I bet that guy's a good recruiter, man. I could see it. I, I bet he's a really good recruiter. He, yeah. uh, he, and somebody else, USC Light, made the point. I think that's who made the point. He he named South Carolina players by name. Um, he came in, and I, I know our names are right below our our heads on this thing. But when when somebody comes in and calls you by your name, like instead of just being like man or dude or or whatever, um, that uh. 
I don't know, man. I just feel like that guy probably probably connects pretty well with uh, with with other people and and with prospects and their families and stuff like that. So um, I, I got a feeling that that program's in in really good hands. Not not that it's one I've followed previously uh, to this week because, like I said, there had there it's kind of a random game. South Carolina typically has not really opened with FCS opponents and certainly has not opened with, with these guys. So it's, a, it's an interesting scheduled game, Chris, but um, just again, I'll reiterate, reiterate, very, very impressive guy. Yeah, he was. Um, he, did you notice aside from naming some of the specific players, you know, at running back, he named Kevin Harris, right. But he named Juju and, you know, Eric Douglas Gamecocks starting center, in his media opportunity today was talking about how explosive some of the backs were. And I think he, the first name out of his mouth was Juju. So you, you continue to see like people are very cognizant of Juju McDowell being a, a big play threat. So it seems like that's something that they've definitely, uh, they've definitely keyed in on, you know, as far as a, as far as a guy to watch. And, you know, the other thing I think that stood out, you know, didn't ask him this question directly as far as, matchups what hey what are you maybe most concerned about but I think just hearing him talk he mentioned the Gamecocks offensive line and how they were going to be able to run the football the defensive line how they had some impressive guys up front I think Wes we, we talked about that on the program this week and that that's an area when you're facing an, a team that's on Eastern Illinois level a, st- a level down of football not an SEC program not a power five program uh, that's an area where you need to take advantage of the size difference, the skill difference. Seems like that's something that they're very cognizant of as well. Yeah, man. And I, uh, I wonder, we probably should have just asked him. He seemed open to talk about anything. Do you think they watch the media availabilities? Like the, like E-Doug mentioning Juju. Then he mentioned, like, do you, do you think, like how do, does the scout is the scout for a opponent just about what they see on film or do you think going in blind a week like this, is there, is there some grad assistant that's, Hey, let's, let's glean a little bit of scoop. That, that would have been good. The, what stands out to me, although we did not ask directly, I would bet my money on. Yes. Here's why he said, our, part of our job is to do our research. So if they're out there researching coaching trees, Hey, do you know this guy? Because that might be able to give you some kind of insight. He mentioned Wes that one of their staff members had been at Iowa state when they recruited Zeb Nolan. So what do you think they did? Well, tell me about Zeb Nolan. What's his demeanor? Like what's his skill set Like, what does he do? Well, what does he not do? Well, like you're going to find any of those things. Um, coaches, man, for, just from some stories that I've heard, whether it's on the South Carolina beat or other places, they look at message boards. I mean, they look at everything to try to get information, not only what's out there on their own team, but other teams. Um, that there's, there's always stuff circulating, and I think they're always looking at that kind of stuff. Even if they don't say they do, they're looking at it or somebody's looking at it. So I, I bet they do. And you can tell, I mean, Coach Cushing's a real, you know, he's on it. He's very tuned in, I think, to to everything with his program. And obviously he's, very familiar with a lot of aspects, even with the South Carolina program, uh, just in the course of their prep for this game. No doubt, man. So let's uh, let's go back into OCDC um, special teams coordinators all speaking today for South Carolina. Zeb Nolan speaking today for South Carolina. Um, Zeb reiterated several times that he doesn't really care about himself or his stats or um, – Certainly not what's being said about him on social media. The sto- the big story, that the narrative, if you will, that we've talked about, that we predicted, hey, when this happens, national media will grab on, hey, this guy was a grad assistant. Um, as cool of a story, and, and I get it, that it is a story. It is unique. Let's not pretend it's not unique. It is unique. But the guy did just play in the spring. So it's not like – he literally, you know, he's had three years off, um, you know, was playing flag football forever play here in Columbia. And uh, they were just like, you know, he was playing on Chris's kickball team. Right. And, uh, I wish. You know, ah. Yeah, I, I, I bet he could kick it pretty well. But you know what I'm saying, man. It's like, he just played. Like, he, 
He yeah. literally could have he could have transferred as a player and well, you know, hear, tried to play. You hear guys in the NFL, and I'm not saying Zeb Nolan's going to the NFL. I'm drawing a parallel of like sometimes you know you'll be watching Monday night football and or preseason game or whatever, and you'll hear well, this guy, you know, some special teams guy, this guy's working at Best Buy last week and they called him in. Like you, that happens, you know. So obviously the biggest thing then is getting into game shape. Some guys take even longer than that off. Some guys, Wes, that are on the team have not played in as long as Zeb Nolan has played, right? Because, you know, well, everybody, you know. Everybody on, as far as real games. Everybody as far as real games, but – the point is, even if you, you know, even if you took out kind of him playing in the spring, say he played last year, there are guys that for injury reasons or whatever, you know, they haven't been around as much and they're limited because of workouts. So really the biggest thing for Zeb is just, you know, new offense, but he knows it, right? You're not pulling him off the street. He's been very involved in game planning, putting together the actual physical playbook. He's been involved in that. He played in the spring and you know, so so from there, it's about, like Shane Bimmer said, you know, getting into better shape, trimming up, because he's not out there doing the summer workouts. He's out there, you know, helping as a GA in the summer. Yeah, so he, you know, it's a guy that I think doesn't really take himself too seriously. Like, he, he's not out there for personal gain. I think he – I kind of believe him when he says he just wants to move this program forward. And, and clearly, it mattered to him when he realized – when it hit him, I should say, that he had hung up the cleats – for a final time. Um, so I think um, I think gratitude is one of those words that, that Beamer has talked about before that he wants to sort of permeate his program. Um, the, the gratitude there, the gratitude, honestly, man, even just from from all three coordinators that spoke today, uh, you know, the, the fact that these guys seem very just um, thrilled to, to be at South Carolina, thrilled for this opportunity. Um, Mark Satterfield saying, he thanks God every day um, because there's only there's only 14 of these opportunities in the world to be a, an SEC offensive coordinator. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how, you know, I, I think that does matter to an extent. So we'll, we'll see how much, but I, I think it does matter. Um, were there any notes from the coordinators that, that caught your attention on, on guys? I, I, I did think it was kind of interesting, and I, I know – all coordinators probably think this way to an extent, but but some coordinators are more like let let's just go run my scheme, let's plug in the players, and it's supposed to be plug and play essentially, and we're going to run the scheme the way it was designed. Um, I thought it was interesting the way Marcus Satterfield talked about how when they're looking at certain plays they're thinking about them with personnel in mind and personnel groupings and trying to have the right guys on the field for the right types of plays. And when you look at let's be honest, we've talked about it, man. This is not a team from a skill position, especially at wide receiver where you just say, Oh, they have three future NFL guys. But what have we also talked about? You have a very diverse skill set in the running backs and in the tight ends that you could potentially use. So it sounds to me like they're going to be very, um, I guess, uh, deliberate about how they handle personnel substitutions and then play calling based on the personnel on the field. If they are able to pull that off efficiently, that should be music to South Carolina fans' ears. Yeah, the, the made-up play call with Satterfield, Bananas. Bananas. What? Who was, who was out there? He made up some people. Uh, I think Joyner was playing quarterback, but some people took that and ran with it like, like it was real. He he said it wasn't real, right? Like he was like, "This yeah. is not." Well, the bananas play call was definitely not real. Uh, maybe that was a personnel package. Although, did he did he say JB at receiver? Was he talking about putting Jason Brown at receiver? Uh, maybe, maybe. So that in now, heck, I mean, you could if you got Joiner quarterback. I mean, maybe you do that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting and. One of the – that was a great interview with Coach Cushing. My one fail or regret, Wes, is that um, I didn't ask him a little bit more about tight ends. He's a former college tight end. Um, he co- – you know, they have that super back position. And with South Carolina's kind of collection of some unique tight ends, should have asked him a little bit more about Nick Muse and Jaheim Bell and all those guys and 
what just what he thinks of them. But um, he even mentioned something as it pertains to his own team, his own philosophy that South Carolina's talked about a lot, and that is, you know, kind of building your scheme around what your players can do. He said when they were at Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald, obviously done an amazing job there at Northwestern, you know, they kind of created that super back position because they took a look around and they said, wow, we got a lot of guys that are like really good athletes, but they don't really fit into, well, they're not a running back. They're not exactly a tight end. They're not exactly a receiver. They're not an O-lineman, whatever it may be. And so they kind of mixed in those different body types, that super back role. So it's kind of like an H-back is, is kind of what you can think of it as. Well, similar thing with South Carolina, right? They've got they still call it a tight end and, and sometimes it is used like a tight end, but sometimes it's an H back. Sometimes it's a slot guy. Sometimes it's split out and they have those different body types, whether it's Nick Muse, who's more traditional or Jaheim Bell or EJ Jenkins or Trey Kenyon or, um, you know, Kevion Mullins is a guy that Satterfield mentioned today. They have different body types, you know, to where they can do different things. So they have looked at building the, the team, the offensive philosophy around those types of guys. And that goes to the personnel packages, Wes, that you were talking about. You know, they make a play call. Here's, they know, here's who's in that package. Send them out there. And so you're right, not having administrative issues with that in game one and going forward to the season, but especially in game one, you know, that's going to be a key for this team to play a clean football game, which is, you know, what they need to do in week one. When, when he was talking about the super back, I instantly started thinking of like Jaheim Bell. Um, I was like that. That would be the guy on this team that that you would sort of think about. Um, by the way, speaking of tight ends, how about uh, Sat giving some love to to Trayvon Kenyon, a guy we've talked about, we've reported about a little bit of that sort of forgotten guy. Didn't have quite as much hype as, as some other kids, but has worked his way firmly into that mix, further solidifying the potential chance for my five tight end set that I've been dying for to actually happen at some point. But um, I thought that that was a good sign for, for Trey Kenyon, who you and I do when we saw him in camp, we were incredibly impressed with this kid. Yeah. Well, and the thing that really stood out about Kenyon at that time is, you know, he's a good looking kid in high school, but we watched him and as a pass catcher, you know, he was really impressive. And, you know, you watched his high school tape and he did some really good things in the passing game on film. And we saw him in camp and it kind of drove that home. I think what's been interesting is, you know, didn't have maybe the best start to his career. He's kind of had a little bit of a and some of it was injuries, you know, to be fair. But I think he's kind of had a little bit of a renaissance, you know, under this new staff. Eric Henry would be proud of me for saying that word um, about one of his tight ends, I think. But. He, uh, you know, the interesting thing is we had heard a while back, and, and this was probably during spring ball, hey, Trey is a guy that if if something happened to Nick Muse, he needed a breather, um, or even if there's kind of a two tight end set where you're trying to look for two bigger in-line, on-the-line tight ends, Trey is that second guy. And so you think about it, it makes sense because he's, I think he's listed at 6'5", 245. So he's a big guy. He looks pretty good physically. And I think he's really improved in terms of being, you know, a guy that you can count on as not being just a guy that can help you in the pass game, but because of his size, you know, he's someone that you can maybe count on to be an on the line blocker for you, you know, at the tight end position. Yeah. So I'm uh, among the many things, Chris, I'm anxious to see how all these guys are used Saturday. Oh yeah. All right. What, what else? Uh, I've, I've, I've been talking about my coordinator thoughts. What what caught your attention? Other than the fact that we did get, as you said earlier, the surprise Pete Limbo appearance, which I actually hope is a new thing we get every week. I, I hope so too. It'll be really insightful. There's no doubt about that. Very detail oriented. Like you said, love special teams, loves talking about it. Learn something every time you talk to him or hear from him, no doubt. Actually, I was going to go with something that Limbo himself said. And that was the notion that South Carolina could kind of rotate kick returners based on matchups. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think a lot of times you think of it as, well, well the, 
you know, the this returner's the best guy. You know, and I don't know specifically what goes into that when you're thinking about the matchup. You know, what is it specifically about the matchup that you're looking for? But the opportunity to maybe get a different guy in there based on the opponent, maybe based on the situation. I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm not surprised that that was one of the things Limbo said. Again, he's very detail-oriented, um, very specific in the schemes. We saw some of the drills, Wes, in the spring and the preseason that special teams guys did. Most of the time our reaction was, what is that? Or <laughs> kind of what is the point of that? Um and so, yeah, he, he brings some different ideas and some nuances to the special teams game. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, something that Pete Limbo pointed out. Small thing, but but something that I thought was nonetheless kind of interesting. And, I, dude, he, with all the talk, we, we got to see Juju on kickoff return at some point. Like You would think. You would think. You would think. Um, you want to talk a little recruiting? I feel like we haven't hit recruiting – this week. Let's do it. Yeah. Really at all. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, Chris, I, I've been actually steadily working through our visit list. I got a, I got a new name, not a new name to everyone, but a new name for the visitors list. I had mentioned this kid, you know, a few weeks ago was, was probably going to be in for game one or hoped to be in for game one. I actually talked to someone in his camp today and confirmed it. But, um, Ike Daniels, 2023 running back. Chris, this is someone I think uh, people need to be aware of because I think we've got that intersection we talk about where you have a kid that is a priority for South Carolina, plus is very interested in South Carolina. This will be his third trip to South Carolina since June. And um, you put together your board watch piece today for class of 2023 for running backs. And board watch is basically if you're – Kind of that that big picture, like, hey, if you're if you don't follow the day to day, just blow by blow of recruiting, it would give you an idea of the guys you need to know at that position. I think Ike Daniels has quickly become a guy everybody should know for 2023 at the running back position for South Carolina. Yeah, that word you, you mentioned, intersection, was a good one because that's when you typically really tend to follow guys and when things end up happening for South Carolina on that front. And, you know, it's pretty easy to see that if South Carolina decided that Daniels was a guy for them, and obviously they have, they did, they have, that was reinforced this summer when he worked out with Monterio Hardesty, you know, that this is going to be a long-term thing um, that, that they're going to have a legitimate shot to sign him. You know, he, he first got interested. I think he got a credit uh, former running backs coach, Des Kitchings, Offered, you know, involved with a couple running backs up in the Virginia area, one from the 22 class, Daniels from the 23 class. That kind of kick-started the interest. After the coaching changeover, you know, Hardesty took a look at Daniels, really liked him. They worked together, as I said, this summer. And several visits, you know, are, are going to be in place since June after he gets on campus, you know, this weekend. So uh, my understanding, his family loved his last trip to South Carolina. Daniels loved his last visit. And South Carolina seems plenty intrigued with the kid, too. So definitely one to watch going forward at that running back position in the next class. Um, one official visit. I thought it was interesting. Beamer even mentioned this yesterday. Obviously, he couldn't mention him by name, but um, made it a point to mention they, they have an official visitor coming in. Uh, you've been all over this one, man. Brian Thomas, The uh, I think he's probably an edge for South Carolina. That would be where he would fit in. Um, Winter Garden, Florida kid. Obviously, some some really nice bloodlines here, and a guy South Carolina has been involved with for, for quite some time as well, was in during the summer for camp. And we've seen them kind of take this approach where if a talented edge rusher is interested, it seems like that's one of those spots they're, they're just not turning guys down. Obviously, uh, you know, still firmly in it with like a Jay Sean Barham. Um, they've got uh, Donovan Westmoreland committed. He came in as an edge, could could probably potentially be a, a true like inside linebacker type, but was committed, you know, is committed as an edge. So um, they, they've sort of taken the approach of of going after guys at those positions and uh, and not turning down good ones. Yeah, and aside from you know those two you mentioned, Pierce James Pierce out of out yeah, of, I always forget him for some reason. So yeah, I mean he's still one, and then and then Thomas, and so Thomas is interesting because you know like you said NFL bloodlines. 
he's a smaller guy. And when I say small, he's not small, but he's not a 6'5", 250-pound rush end. He's more along the lines of 6'1", you know, 230 pounds, somewhere in that range. Can, can certainly put on more weight, but he's a guy that South Carolina wanted to get a look at this summer in camp. So he, he traveled up to camp with his father and his mother, um, worked out with Mike Peterson, and, and things seemed to go really well on both those fronts. A quick guy, productive guy. One of these workout warriors, Wes, is the guy that gets up at four something a.m. every morning and works out two or three times a day and practices and is all ball all the time. So a, a great kid and, um, you know, really kind of down to, uh, you know, South Carolina and he likes West Virginia a lot. Took took an official visit there this summer. So uh, wanted to wait it out and, and see what South Carolina had to offer. I think if things go well this weekend, Wes, which I think they will, good chance that this is a guy that you see ended up in the class for Carolina. Yeah, so he – I guess we could officially put him on possible commit watch. Um, you know, not not that guys do it during visits anymore, but uh, he, he is a commit watch guy. And I'll tell you another kid, I, I've talked about him before though, Chris, Deuce Spurlock I think has to be somewhat on commit watch as well. Um, if he is someone South Carolina sort of pushes for, this is one of those things. The kid's never been to South Carolina, and South Carolina has also never seen him in person either. So th- there's always a filling out process, I think is the best way to say it. Um, but Spurlock coming in currently uh, is scheduled to be on an unofficial visit. But we're still waiting to see how that linebacker position kind of plays out. Um He's one that's relatively new on the board for South Carolina, but certainly a name to know for this weekend and someone to keep an eye on um, at that linebacker position. He is from Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, speaking of states that South Carolina, you know, kind of doesn't always sign a ton of kids from, but will dabble in. You got him in Alabama. Then you got Stone Blanton, another unofficial visit. Um, Again, baseball commit for Mississippi State, but is really looking at the football side of things as well. Um, it's kind of weird. I mean, he's committed for baseball, but is sort of uncommitted for football and still considering several schools is mainly an SEC guy. South Carolina had the official visit over the summer. It went great. Colin Taylor spoke to him earlier, uh, I guess in the last week or so, but uh, this week, Chris actually could sort of start to shape that linebacker position for South Carolina moving forward. Yeah, it could. And, you know, I, I think when you look at, uh, you know, Spurlock is kind of like you said, Wes, a wait and see. And then you look at Blanton, you know, looking back at his summer official visit, remember a lot of the returns that we got. I mean, obviously Blanton raved about it, but just some things that we had heard from some sources around that time. It, it almost was spoke of in the same terms as Ryan Brubaker's official visit. And, you know, how, you know, the, Ryan Brubaker obviously ended up committing to South Carolina on the strength of that official visit. You know, a lot of people felt like Blanton's visit went extremely well at that time. Now he, he was still committed to Mississippi state for baseball at that time. He had some other visits on deck. He wanted to get back to Williams Bryce for a game visit this season. So obviously he's been waiting it out until then, but how things go this weekend, if he kind of renews that same feeling that he had in the summer, could certainly get very interesting. A lot of layers to this one. You know, Mississippi kid, two sports kind of in the mix. So hard to tell where it'll go from here, but I know it went extremely well this summer. And if he has another great trip, you know, this weekend could, could get interesting on that front. Will be fun, Chris, to actually have recruits back for, for games. You know, we, we it's easy to forget this part did not exist last year. So the, the guys have been back in recruiting mode as far as the summer and June and the June camps and all that stuff. But this will be um, this will be the first time South Carolina has hosted um, players, prospects, their families for game atmospheres since you know prior to last year. So that, that'll be that'll be good. And of course we'll have we'll have that's that's one other thing we can coverage. We'll have uh, we can provide coverage for is um, is those things that we missed out on last year. So, all right, that's, um, I guess, about going to do it, Chris. We're, we're closing in on 3 o'clock. Um, we'll keep sort of adding, subtracting to that visitors list. I'd imagine, I, haven't, I don't know about you, I haven't talked to any of the committed guys lately. 
I imagine you, you almost always have for night games, committed guys get to as many games as they possibly can. So we'll, we'll effort figuring out which guys are going to make it in. I'm sure there'll be some underclassmen, um, probably some in-state underclassmen that try to make it out as well. So we'll, uh, we'll be working on that and, and adding and subtracting from that list as the week goes on. Uh, Chris, good stuff, man. I mean, thanks again to Adam Cushing, right? Like that was uh, – that I can't say it enough. That was really good. That was awesome, man. And before we get out, Wes, I want to say a couple more words about Coach Cushing and a couple other things maybe. want to tell the folks about Dead Soxie. DeadSoxie.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. 25% off your entire order, whether it's the college line with the spur socks, whether it's uh, athletic socks, the boardroom dress sock line, no shows. Great comfort, buttery soft feel, no slip, patented technology. Make sure you check out check out one of our show sponsors, Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and hit the promo code COCKY, C-O-C-K-Y. 25% off your entire order. Appreciate the support of those guys and Clint Hammond, of course, as always. But yeah, Coach Cushing, if you missed our interview with Eastern Illinois head coach Adam Cushing, go back. Just hit the back button. Go to youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. You can see him on video. Great interview. So appreciate his time very much. No doubt. Uh, so that'll do it. Appreciate the support. As always, Chris and I will be back again. It's Monday through Friday now, not the three days a week thing. Sometimes two, to be honest with you. Um, it's all five. Chris and I will be back tomorrow, Thursday, 2 o'clock on the live stream. If you miss it, as always, you can go back. Watch on YouTube or listen on the podcast on any sing, every single podcast platform that is out there. Appreciate the support for Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.